Hello, this is Yarrow Starak, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Dane Maxwell. Hello, this is Yarrow Starak, and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today, I have a multi-talented guest named Dane Maxwell, who I've seen pop up for two reasons on my radar. One, as a guy who knows how to set up a software business, in particular, come up with an idea for a software business, test it before selling it, and then turn that into an entire methodology for entrepreneurs, which transitioned really well into the other thing I know Dane for, which is the foundation. And I had a friend, uh, Walter, some of you who, kn- who know my podcast will remember Walter from a startup I had. Walter is in Silicon Valley, and he's been hearing a lot about the foundation there, which uh, is obviously a great thing. So it's sort of like a school for uh, entrepreneurs. So Dane has a couple of stories to share. So Dane, thank you for joining me on the call. Yeah, Yarrow, I'm happy to be here. So I was just trying to get a... A claim to fame, we could tell the listeners about how many millions of dollars you've made or something famous you've done, and you'd simply said, you never have to work again, is your claim to fame. Is that uh, probably what you're happiest about then, in terms of the outcome from the, the 31 years that you've lived so far? You know, I, it, that I'm, I love that you asked if that's what I'm, hap, hap, that's what I'm happiest about. Uh, the, the thing is, what I am what I find most inspiring and what other people find inspiring is that I, I built all this from virtually nothing. You know, my parents' toy closet, I had a hundred bucks to my name. I had no idea what to build. I just got scammed for trying to buy an online business and, uh, couldn't even buy, I couldn't even buy guitar hero, uh, for PlayStation. Oh, that's it depressing. Out. It was, it sucked, dude. And so I had, I had nothing to, to start from. And, and uh, fast forward from age 22 to I'm 31 now, but uh, in about five or six years, I'd started 22 different businesses, 15 or 16 of them uh, failed, meaning they made a thousand or less. And about five of them succeeded and meaning they made 50,000 or more, generally speaking. And the 15 or 16 that failed all had the same thing in common. And the five that succeeded all had the same exact opposite thing in common. Mm-hmm. And 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 so what uh, what I'm happiest about is um, not that I never have to work again, but that the freedom that I have, which is tremendous, um, more than most anyone I've ever met in my life, is not nearly as enjoyable with how obsessed I am with my current business and how I get to work on it incessantly, mm-hmm. and how and how much I enjoy work much more than the process of uh, you know sitting on a on a beach with a Mai Tai. Mm. And I, I've, I've never felt more happy, more alive, higher self-esteem, more on point, more on purpose than, than now. And it was a, it was a rough journey to get there. You know, it has its ups and downs, but the happiest thing that I am happy about is that I have given myself permission to be obsessed with my business in a healthy way. And I am just enjoying what I do every single day. <laughs> I was getting a, a hint of Alcoholics Anonymous vibe there, not for the alcohol aspect, but like you're a recovered entrepreneur or something, or you've gone, <laughs> gone through a process where you were doing something wrong and then you realized it and now you're, you've changed the way you do things as a result. <laughs> There's a hint of that there, Dane. Um, it's actually, it's funny as you, if I interrupt for a second, yeah, it's ahead. funny that you mentioned that because the thing that I did wrong is I set up the four hour work week to perfection to the point where it was like a zero hour work week. Like the only thing I had to do was pay taxes. That's because I just didn't have an accountant to, to set things up yet. So the, the mistake that I made was that I followed the advice blindly of like four hour work week. If this is, it's not really a mistake, but let's just call it, uh, uh, well, let's just call it a mistake, even though I don't think it's the best word, was that I did. I set up my life perfectly that I never, ever would have to exchange time for money. I would have automated passive recurring revenue income, and I would never have to do anything, and I would just make lots and lots of money. And that was, quote, my mistake, and that, that freedom became a prison for me uh, because I realized that... Uh, once I learned how to trust my own instincts, I realized how much I just enjoy helping entrepreneurs and, and, and mm. working. I remember having a conversation with Tim, actually, Tim Ferriss, the author of The 4-Hour Workweek, that the part I loved about it, his book the most, and I really would 
want to continue talking about was what happens when you get the income and it's set up and you've done all the things you thought you wanted to do in terms of travel and whatever lifestyle you wanted to lead. And then at the end of all that, you're like, but I'm not happy still. And I don't actually know what to do with my time because now I have ample time, but I have no purpose behind it. So what do you do next? And that's where the big question gets asked. It's not how do I make money? It's what do I do with my time now that money is no longer the deciding factor in what I do with my time. And that's on some levels a harder decision. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people never get to the point where they face that decision, taking out the money aspect. But it sounds like you did reach that point. And hence you were forced to go, well, what do I really want to do now? Like, what do I actually enjoy because I enjoy it, not just because I can make money from it? Is that about right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd love to cover every business, but there's 20 of them, you said, and I don't think we can get through them all in uh, the interview. And I do want to cover the two big ones in this time frame. So in summary, um, born and raised in, I'm assuming, the States? Yeah, yeah. Born and raised in Iowa. Uh, went to school, go to university? I did go to college. Okay. I did not use much of it. What did you do? I uh, studied management information systems, which is a cross between like a computer programmer and a bean counter, which would be an accountant. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, I was a terrible programmer and I found the process really frustrating and I don't really know how to code. But you finished? I did finish. So I you finished what I start. So you graduated and then you faced a life of what were you, what were you thinking of doing next? Oh man, I love these questions. Uh, so I was a senior in college when I was sitting in a room um, and it was how to set up like computer server administrative administration. Uh-huh. And I, I really, it was hard. It was like really over my head and everyone in the room seemed smarter than me. And I didn't know how to set up stuff called like Apache or whatever it was at the time. And, but anyway, I was in the room and there was a magazine sitting over on the floor and I walked, I got up in the middle of the, the class and I, <laughs> excuse me, I'm kind of laughing. I walked over and, and grabbed the magazine and uh, the teacher was kind of upset with me. Like he stopped what he was saying and just stared at me walking across the room to get the magazine. And I was just so enraptured by whatever this magazine was that I was like, I wasn't present to anything else that I had to have this magazine. And um, the thing that drew me to the magazine was the, the apprentice was in its second season at the time, back when I was like 21 and uh, it said like, you know, how this young buck won the apprentice and got on it or something. And I was like, well, that sounds like an interesting story. And so I took the magazine, I put it in my backpack. And as soon as I got home, I opened up the magazine and I read it and I heard her interview and there's a rent, a written transcript interview. And she said, you know, I was going along my life. It was awesome. It was great. And then I read a book that changed everything. And like, well, what was the book? And she said, rich dad, poor dad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't know books could change your life. I had never read a book like that. I've never read, I've, you know, I read fiction and I read like the Chronicles of Narnia or like Little House on the Prairie. I was homeschooled till seventh okay. grade. And, and so when I found that book, uh, that's when everything changed for me. I went and read, I got, went to the bookstore the next day. I read about uh, 50 or 60 pages of Rich Dad, Poor Dad in one sitting. And usually I could only read like two or three pages in a sitting. It just grabbed me for whatever reason. As soon as I finished that book, um, I remember reading something along the lines of, you know, you only remember 10% of what you read. So I said, okay, if I want to have a hundred percent change in this financial realm in my life, I need to read 10 books. So I read 10 books similar to rich dad, poor dad. And, uh, can you rattle off some of the other names? If you remember, Oh gosh, I think and grow rich. I feel like I'm catching myself in a lie now because I'm like, did I actually read 10 books? (laughs) Uh, it was like, um, you know, Robert Allen's multiple streams of income, uh, the millionaire, the millionaire next door, the millionaire mind, uh, millionaire, the millionaire mind was phenomenal. Like that's just like, I like really practical, no BS, no hype. Like this is the reality of millionaires. Like most millionaires don't have financial planners. Most millionaires just work with their attorneys, uh, tax to tax attorneys and accountants um, for, for their financial advice. And I was like, well, that's pretty fascinating because like I see all the middle-class people having financial planners better not have one of those. Uh, so they, they're just like really practical things in those, uh, those four come to mind. Mm-hmm. I read books on how to invest in real estate. Then I would read the law of success by Napoleon Hill, which is a thousand pages, which took me three months to, 
to read, but I read every page of it. I remember that one. That's the one where he, he, you're wearing hats and that's what makes you go bald. That was the, the one thing I was like, really? <laughs> oh, funny. I don't actually remember that point. That's funny. Though. <laughs> no. So those are like four or five. I can remember. Okay, great. So you read these books. What did you change in your life as a result of that? Well, I got really cocky, arrogant. I was like, I'm not going to be an employee. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And so I was like, it was like, you know, college is about a year or like nine months or something. And this is at the beginning of that senior year. And so I, I started buying and selling websites and I found, but here's what's happened. So here's what's happened. Here's what happens. I find that my financial income lags about 12 months behind my, in the past, it lagged about six to 12 months behind my mindset. So if my mind was like, I want to make passive income, it would take about six months for that reality to happen. Like for my body to catch up with that, for like my body to experientially get and understand that because passive income is such a backwards way of thinking. And especially like if, if you're raised in the world from the get go from when you're born, it's like the skills that you're taught are all skills to earn active income. Mm. So the skills to earn passive income are very different skills very counterintuitive and almost painful to learn. And so for me, it took, you know, six months to a year to, to let that happen. And, you know, you just, you just start to attract things into your life when you have like a genuine, pure, uh, longing for them. So I remember I was, uh, browsing the internet and I was on a site called sitepoint.com, which is a, a cool website because I was designing, like I wanted to, des- I thought I could make money designing websites. Like, you mm. know, that was how, that was how I thought. Can you, you know? date like, stamp I, this? Dan, do you remember the years? Cause I'm assuming site point, cause they turned into, well, they turned their website buying and selling aspect to Flippa. But I remember also trading on site point and that would have been Oh six. Yes. Seven. So is that when you were doing this? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I was on site point cause I loved, I was just really passionate about web design. And I just loved the internet and I loved software, but I also like, it was just too scary for me. Like I just, like, I, I just felt like, I felt like I was mentally handicapped when I was doing it. That's a little dramatic, but it's so much true. <laughs> and, and so what happens is, you know, you read these books on, I read these books on passive income and, and I'm like, all right, well, shoot, these are really different skills. And it's kind of, I really kind of want to revisit that because to build a business around passive income requires you to build different skills than ever you've ever thought. And it just takes, it's just a, I found it to be a painful process. Like I, part of piece of me was dying, if you will. And I, I bought into passive income so rigidly that like if anybody offered me like a speaking gig or active income, unless, unless I was going to learn something, I would never do it. And I rejected all forms of active income. I would only pursue passive forms of income. Right. And within, within like, within like I say 95% rigidity. So because I read these books, I, my mind started becoming aware. Like, you know, as soon as you buy a car, then you see other people that have that car. Yes. The reticular activation system. Thank you. Yeah, that's the word. So what happens is you like when you retic- you can actually turn on a reticular activation system for millionaire and passive income. And when you turn that on, you start seeing things. And what I did is about six months after Red Rich Dad Poor Dad, I saw on the side corner of SitePoint as I was browsing around reading an article about websites or something, I saw on the left-hand side a site that said um, resizepictures.com, 600 unique visitors a day, zero dollars in income, $600. And I was like, what? You can buy websites that make money? And I clicked on that. And um, I only had like $1,000 to my name back in college. And so I asked my buddy if he wanted to split this website and we would split the profits. Uh, but it wasn't making money, but we would just, we would figure out how to make, we put ad, like there was no advertising on it. So we figured we could put a banner ad up and make money with it. Mm-hmm. And so he said no. And then a day later we bought it. And then we put Google AdSense on the website and then um, I started crying uh, because I went on spring break and I went snowboarding with my friends. And I would come back at the end of the day and I would have $2 in passive income. So you're crying of success or crying of that's not enough? Uh, success. Okay. <laughs> it's, po- it's, it's possible. Gotcha. Like for me, there's, there's always this, this little part of me that like kind of wonders, truly wonders, man, could I really have everything I ever wanted? Could, is that really possible for me? And there's maybe still a little part 
that it's, it's very small now, but maybe, maybe it exists in there somewhere. And so when I, when I had that, you know, and Google AdSense is such a cool thing. So you log in and the number's green. You know, you log in, yeah. it's $2 and it's green. You're like, oh. And so I raced home after spring break and I told my mom and dad, I was like, mom and dad, everything I've been talking about, these guy bugged the crap out of my parents with these books. You know, I was like, I was telling them all about it. And I was like, dad, you got to stop, you got to stop uh, spending money on, on doodads and, 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 and spend making monthly payments on assets that decline and just buy real estate to finance that stuff. And, uh, and like, you know, this didn't really go, this isn't really welcome advice to my parents, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so they were, they, they heard the best of it. So after spring break, I opened up my laptop or a computer. I don't think I had a laptop at the time because those were pretty clunky back then. And man, I'm starting to sound like I'm old or something. This hey, I'm, I'm four years older than you, man. So it's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Back in the day, we didn't have laptops. They were clunky. And Google AdSense was this, this new thing. So I, I showed my parents. I said, mom and dad, I have a big announcement to make. I have a big announcement. They said, what? So I'm officially making passive income. And, uh, they, uh, I've never told this story before. And, um, and I pulled up on the screen and I showed them, look at this. I made dollar and 50 cents today. <laughs> and, um, then I started tearing up and I got really convicted. And I said, I looked at my mom and dad in the eye and I said, and you see this number, this is just the beginning. And this number is going to get massive. And your parents and, were very supportive of this? Oh, they were incredible. They were just more in awe of anything. They're like, well, this, this is why we want a website. We want one of these things, you know. Um, I take it they were blue-collar workers before that? or uh, You know, very, uh, very high-income middle class. Okay. You know, uh, an eye doctor and a piano teacher, they, they're, they're very... Uh, they're, they're in the top 10% of income earners in America. Mm -hmm. They just have, a, um, they don't have the, the mindset of, of rich dad, poor dad mm -hmm. type stuff. So, Okay, so you've got the conviction that this can work and you want to see that number grow. What did you do next? Mm, this is a fun conversation. I can. So, I, you know, it was really baby steps. So we had Google AdSense on Resize Pictures and ResizePictures.com was, was really important because that was before Facebook. Oh, this makes me sound, sound so feel so weird sharing all this. Just roll with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, let's talk about my my businesses today, Yaro. Uh, so, MySpace wouldn't resize your pictures. You know, like Facebook, you could upload a photo and it resizes it, but MySpace wouldn't do that. And uh, by the way, the fact that like MySpace, like you know, they say you need a phenomenal product. In general, your product needs to be pretty good. In the case of MySpace, they launched with uh, joint venture partners, these celebrities that promoted it so they could launch with a pretty crappy product. That's why, uh, so the marketing is, is, is uh, it was more important than the product in that case. Long term, they lost to a better product, of course, but, you know, it's, uh, that's another story of uh, marketing versus product and mm. how, that all, how that all blends. And I have, I have some uh, opinions on that, but the, uh, the uh, resize pictures was big because people would resize their picture, put it on MySpace, and then people would click back to because they would want to resize their photos. And so we had ads on the homepage, and we'd make like you know twenty five cents a click, and we might get like you know eight clicks a day, which would be two bucks. And I'd show my friends, and they'd be like, "Well, people actually click on these ads." And I was like, "Well, you know, there's like one or two percent of people that actually click on them. Can you believe it?" They're like, "Wow." Then I got the genius. I, the Resize Pictures is a two-page website. You upload a photo, you click submit, and then you get the photo on the next page. I got a genius idea to add the Google AdSense on the thank you page, too, after like four months. Yep. I remember that, I, that advice, reading it. Put it on your thank you pages and you get clicks away because what else can you do on a thank you page, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, like, <laughs> and not only did I double my income, because like... Because this is funny, but because Resize Pictures would serve up this HTML code that you would post on MySpace, they would serve up like MySQL hosting and web hosting ads, and those would make me like a dollar a click. And since it was it was completely untargeted, but people would still click on it, and so some days I would make like a hundred bucks a day. You know, um, how quick was that from the, the dollar a day era? Like like the next day that I put that thing on there. Wow. So you went back to your parents and said, look at this again? Yep, look at this again. I bought my next one. I bought another site, and that was making 40 bucks. I bought another site for $9,000. It's called Video Code Library. That's a big jump. You went from 600 to 9000 Yeah, well, you know, I, 
I was hungry. Okay, clearly. And and uh, but I didn't have nine thousand. But you know, I know I heard of OPM, other people's money. And uh, I kind of say that with a little cynicism. I've just been I've been jaded because I've been in these these self help finance industries for a while. Like you know, you get on stage, you don't need money, just use OPM. But um, I uh, I uh, was friends with uh, well my uncle. So I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and then. You got to sit. Rich Dad Poor Dad really highly recommends real estate. So I remembered my uncle owned a Remax real estate franchise. So I called him up the next day and said, Hey, Rob, um, I want to come work for you. I don't want to be paid. I want to come and work to learn because that's the first lesson in Rich Dad Poor Dad is the rich, rich don't work for money, they work to learn. And he ended up paying me. And I was like, No, I don't want the money. I want to work to learn. I want to follow this book. Like I was just <laughs> so, so disciplined about following these books. And and, uh, and in hindsight, it really, you know, uh, I did realized I didn't really trust myself a whole lot. Uh, and I trust myself much more these days and maybe if not completely, you know, I mm. think I do completely. And, and so, but I followed these books and I remember I drive 40 minutes to and from, uh, work, which is a phenomenally long drive for a college student. And I would listen to millionaire mind on audio. I'd go to libraries and find audio books on, on how to make money and millionaire stuff and, you know, Donald Trump books or whatever. And I, and I, cause I couldn't afford it. So I would just go to the libraries and read these things. And I would, um, and I'd work in my uncle who he had the, he had a foreclosure department and he was the biggest foreclosure, uh, real estate agent in Des Moines, Iowa. Cause he had all these real he had all these relationships with all these banks. And so, um, I read in the book that, you know, you can ask people for help that are financially successful and they will want to help you. And I was like, okay, so I tried that. So I, I asked my uncle if he knew of anybody that was really successful in real estate that I could meet for lunch. And he said, well, yeah, I actually have a client who's the biggest foreclosure guy in Des Moines. He's got 400 or 500 foreclosed homes out on contract, making monthly payments to him every month. So I got to go and, and follow him around and watch how he bought real estate. Uh, and you, you must have loved the, the comparison of you investing in websites and then seeing it happen with property. You, you would have seen all of the, the overlap and idea there, right? Completely. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep going. Yeah. And I'm really appreciating, uh, appreciating the quality of your questions and the ability to share this message. Well, don't stop. <laughs> Dang, keep going. Yeah. We only have an hour here, so you got to get it in. <laughs> I'll get it all in. So uh, I, I can talk actually quite a bit faster. So what happened was uh, I, I developed a relationship with this guy and I said, hey, there's this website for sale. It makes 1200 or a thousand bucks a month and he's selling it for nine grand. He's like, why would you sell something? But you could make your money back in nine months. It's like, well, it's the online world. This is typical. And he's like, I don't know. It sounds really risky. And I was like, dude, just give me nine grand. If I fail at it, I'll go work at McDonald's and pay you back for the rest of my life. He said, okay. So he gave me nine grand. I bought the site. I held it. I, I increased the ad revenue because I got really good at figuring out how to get high click-through rates on Google AdSense ads because that's all I would Google is how to get higher click-through rates on Google AdSense ads. We would go from 900 to about $1,200 a month in revenue. And I sold it three months later after making 3,600 for like 10 grand. So I ended up making like, you know, four grand. I paid the guy back in three or four months and, and he was pretty floored by that because it's, he's used to 15 year payback periods. <laughs> right. And, um, so I got pretty confident and cocky. And then I bought my next site for about 12 grand because I had 12 grand in the bank. So I actually, there's another site in the mix that I also flipped. Uh, and with that 12 grand, I bought 12,100 ish dollars. I bought my next site and I got signed a contract guaranteeing earnings. The site was awesome. I started making money and then 20 days in Google AdSense informed me that it was all fraudulent and they shut down the site. And, um, I was a really cocky kid around that time too. I'd, I'd come upstairs to my parents and be like, Hey dad, I just made $200 in my sleep before 10 AM today. <laughs> and I was so proud and my parents wanted a site. My girlfriend was proud. My girlfriend at the time was proud of me. And then I, then I came, I, Google sent me that email and I was devastated. And I went upstairs and I, I could barely even face my parents. I thought they would reject me. Uh, and I said, I, I've, I've lost everything. Um, and they just loved me just as much as they ever have. And that was a, back when I attached my worth to, uh, my achievements. And thank goodness I don't, don't have that, uh, association anymore. And, and so I, um, I went to an attorney and I, I fought for months and months and nothing ever happened of it. So I, I just put it away. Uh, oddly enough, that guy got arrested years later, um, for doing fraudulent internet stuff. That was mm -hmm. pretty, it was pretty, uh, um, 
vindicating. I just, I, yeah, I wasn't angry. I was maybe angry. I was just I was just happy to see like, yeah, dude, just as yeah, that's what you get. And so, um, but with that scam of twelve thousand dollars, that's when I decided that I would never try to buy my freedom again. I would never try to uh, just like escape or shortcut the system. I decided that was from that point on. I decided I was going to create real value from scratch from myself. That with 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 clients that I could call friends, with clients that I could get money from, that I could gladly sit across the table from, and they would gladly make take my money, or I could gladly take their money in exchange for value. I don't even like the word take, uh, receive money in exchange for value. And, and that, um, I would build long-term wealth and, uh, I would build an automated business with reoccurring revenue, selling tools like shovels and, um, and, uh, uh yeah, like there's like, there's like four, no, and then I'd have, I'd have no accounts receivable. So I'd be paid in advance. And those, those four principles that I picked up through reading different sources and just kind of my own discernment. Uh, actually none of my own discernment, just taking the best of everything and putting it into one thing. Uh, I started my first software company, um, and I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I got the idea from my uncle or I got the idea from a real estate guy and I went to my uncle and then I, and then I said, Hey uncle, would you like to have this product? He said, that's a really cool product. I think I'd really like that. And I was like, well, I have no idea how to build it. Let me go find out how to build it. I went to a site called rentacoder.com at the time I posted on rentacoder.com and the guy said, I'll take it. It cost me $3,000 to build this product that you uh, need. And I went back to my uncle and I said, Hey, uh, it's three grand. How about you fund all the development of the product and I'll give it to you free for life? He said, Okay, great. Um, it was actually a hundred bucks a month product. So, uh, what, what was the product and how did you even see the need for it? Well, this has became the entire framework for the foundation okay. is this, pro- this process. So in my back's against the wall. I'm completely desperate. I have a hundred bucks to my name. I'm not going to go get a job. There's absolutely no way that I'm going to get a job. But I tell you, I will never go get a job. Now, yeah. that, unless you have to go to McDonald's to pay back your uncle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To pay back that foreclosed guy. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Just to clarify, all the website flipping, I, I could tell how you were kind of climbing the ladder slowly using each prior investment to invest in the next one. So when that fraudulent one happened, you were just wiped out completely by that one fraudulent transaction, right? So all the years of previous work gone in one bad deal. Yeah. Okay. So you, I can imagine you were pretty jaded as well by you know, everything, all that, that feeling of all the money you made, all the work you put in gone. How did you have the confidence, I guess, even to say to your uncle, cause you know, you're not cocky anymore, I assume. <laughs> so you've had a failure. Um, okay. You've got these set of rules you've come from with the books you've read that you want to now follow to make sure that doesn't happen again. But these, I, I still would have, you know, there would have been a self-esteem issue there going, you know, I don't want to lose my uncle's money. And now I'm not so sure before I was cocky and confident now I've got these rules, but they may not work. So, what were you? What was keeping you motivated, especially at that? You know, the the bottom, the on the on the floor when you're crawling. Well, uh, you ever heard the saying like, "What what um, what conquers fear is greater fear." I think I've just heard it for the first time. Yeah. So, if you ever need to get someone to take action and they have fear, just you know, connect them to a fear that's even greater than that one. That that works usually works pretty well. So you were this, more afraid of disappointing your uncle, or or being was, destitute. What was the the greater fear? Of uh, being a failure at life. Okay, okay, that's a pretty big one. Yes, that one will that one will do it for you. And I also had a very traumatic, very traumatic upbringing. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a very nice home. However, like. I almost died at childbirth. I had a rare condition where I had uh, feces stuck in my lungs and I was literally choking on my poop when I, in my own lungs when I was born. Uh, and, and, uh, I also died repeatedly in my sleep the first year of being on the, being the earth here. And, um, life just always was a struggle for me. So that got embedded into my nervous system as a young, uh, fragile little guy. Mm. And so um, I got really good at shutting off feelings. So I could dissociate feelings pretty quick. Like if I was like crying right now, I feel I could shut it down instantly mm. and just go and just go numb. So I just went numb in that in that moment. Okay. So take us through that first. I guess the start of your 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 principles for the foundation. Yeah. So we had the the, the product was 
So in the meantime of buying and selling websites, I was also uh, cold calling real estate companies and trying to sell them a, a website, like to help run their the back end of their office, like a calendar, and like it was. I was selling them Joomla, which is a WordPress type platform, and then I would sell for a couple grand, and then I would install it on a thing and put up a theme, and you know, just pretty pretty simple point and click stuff. Maybe there were a few little things that you would need to know, a few things in tech to do, but generally speaking, you could probably teach anyone to do it. Relatively anyone mm-hmm. to do it. I'm thinking of like 80 year olds that are considered a computer. You probably couldn't teach them. Okay. But, but you were having, but, so you were cold calling and that was working. People were saying yes, you were making some money. No, it really wasn't working very well. I cold called for six months and I sold five accounts. And during that time, cold calling, I uh, had a guy reject me over and over and over again. And then he just, he, he found this one part of the website and he's like, whoa, like I, I'll take that part of the website. And it was like one tenth of the product. And I was like, you just want that part? And he's like, yeah. I was like, what would you use that part for? He's like, I'd use this part to recruit more agents into my real estate office. And I was like, well, is that important to you? He's like, it's the most important thing in the world to me. And I was like, oh, wow. Why aren't I, why aren't I selling things that are just really important to people? Why am I trying to sell what I know to sell? Why don't I just start selling what's important to people? So that was the, the basis of how to get the first idea. So, uh, um, and then my uncle funded the development and we built this little C content management system that helped real estate companies recruit real estate agents. And I didn't know what a website needed to do or look like, but fortunately the real estate brokers knew what they wanted on the site. So I just did exactly what they told me to do. And that was when the light bulb went off for me. And I was like, man, I don't have to come up with any of my own ideas. I can just listen to my customer, find the pain, solve that pain for them, put an expert in place. I don't even need to be the expert. And then I can be the owner of the business. And that became um, the moment of liberation for me, the moment of, of, of tremendous freedom for me because now at this point in my life, it's, I can go anywhere and do anything. You could take every business away from me, every dollar away from me, and I could build it all back over and over and over again because of the skills that I have of starting companies from scratch. Mm. And, the, and the first thing that, that, you, that you know, I, I, I teach is like the basis of if you need to come up with an idea, you can just contact someone and say, hey, what's the most important activity in your business? And then you'd say, well, do you experience any pain with that activity? And then you could say, well, if you wave a magic wand, how would you solve that pain? And you can start prospecting for great ideas. Not only will you get the pain, but you'll hear how they would like to have it solved. And then you can just take that concept to an expert and have them create the product for you. But only after you've gotten money from a customer and pre-sold it. So you're virtually starting a company from scratch with, uh, with, with as little risk as possible. Right, which is kind of what you became known for, at least in my first impression, I think, of hearing your name was associated with that part of your story. The You went to your uncle and you had this idea that you knew people wanted. You got him to fund it as the first client. Uh, and you just told the story of how you came up with the idea. You asked the client. And then that turned into your entire methodology. But can you just tell us a little bit about to, I guess, close the gap before we jump into the methodology and the foundation that teaches it, because the foundation is your school, how did the like did the real estate software business become your cash cow that you know that still is today a business you run or you know what what led to what you know became your your serious passive income source the the passive income source is my software business the, okay. the foundation's a passion project the the foundation's an 8 to 12 hour a day endeavor for me okay so uh, take us through the software was that the real estate business Yep, the software is a real estate business. So I have four, three currently active softwares in the real estate space to, to date, and they are combined seven figures in revenue and six figures, a good six figures in passive income. After with the teams that 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 I pay to run them, that so, just run them completely. So what do they do? The products. Yeah. How does this business work, and how do you set it all up? Because that's a big gap. You just went from getting your uncle to give you three grand to build it to making seven figures a year and having a team doing four pieces of software. Can you fill the gaps between those two things? Yeah, it was what well, that that process is uh, about four or five years. So I think that at the foundation we believe that you can achieve financial freedom in four years, not forty. And and what I like, you know, John Reese, the founder of income.com, he was like a really uh, influential person for me. We we met a couple times, but uh, he doesn't he doesn't know this. Uh, but he said that you know it took him four years to become financially free, and there's something about that four year mark. It took me about four years as well, and there's just something about the body 
that experientially needs to change over time to you get to the point where you can just accept that, yeah, you get passive income coming and you don't actually have to work hard your whole life. You can actually retire if you want to. You can only work an hour or two a day if you want to. You can literally have that life. And it just takes a while for like the body to adapt and like, and for the self-esteem of your body to, to receive this and for your heart to like, to feel clean and pure and integrity about the whole thing. Like you're actually still providing a ton of value to the world. So to about four years and uh, you know, I just was working with real estate company owners. I, I didn't enjoy working real estate with real estate agents because they don't really run their business like a business. Most of them don't. They're kind of just more like freelancers. They kind of like, they don't, they don't really run like a business, but real estate company owners do. So I worked with them. And so I had about, a, I had a list of 3000 uh, real estate, Remax, Remax real estate offices. And you can get this list off, off of their website. And, and, uh, and so what happened is if you use proper direct response, if you learn, if you learn the skills of direct response marketing, you can reasonably expect to capture about 5% of a market in two to three years. So if you want to like figure out like, Hey, I'd like to make 10 grand a month, for example, you need a hundred people paying you a hundred bucks a month. You got 10 grand a month. Now, if you have a list of 3,000 people, 5% of that list would be 150 people. So you could reasonably expect in two to three years to have 150 people paying you uh, 100 bucks a month, would be 15 grand a month. But in this case, I mined that list like crazy. So I had uh, three or four products. So I'd have, um, you know, 150 times four. So I was making 40 to 60 grand a month off a list of 3,000 people. Um, and to, just to connect the dots for the, the missing pieces I'm missing here, Dane. So you, I can see you've got the list, which is your potential new clients. Those yep. four pieces of software, did you just go from one to the next? Like your uncle, you did the first one. It, it cost 3000 to make your uncle just the first client. Then you went and started using that list to say, Hey, I've got this software. It's a hundred dollars a month. Um, and selling it cold calling, cold emailing. Is that what you did? Then you did your next software oh. and did the same thing. Like how did that happen? Oh yeah, so you know, marketing is so easy for me that I like. I it's just like an automatic. Like I'm, I sometimes. Uh, it's usually the hardest part for most people to get this, the customer and the sale. So we need uh, we need to know that bit. Okay, well, the most valuable skill in business is the skill of customer acquisition. Uh, it's not it's not the skill of product creation. It's the skill of customer acquisition because if you have the, if you have the skill of customer acquisition, then you are then you are naturally usually like phenomenal product creator because you know how to acquire a customer. You know what makes them tick. When you know what makes them tick, you can make even better products. So if you want the financial freedom and you want to have full control over your financial future, I encourage you to completely master the skill of customer acquisition. And, and that's, it's that more than, a, like, yeah, absolutely. From, absolutely. from the point with your uncle, cause that was your bottom point, right? Yeah. So I just did like, first off, my commitment to entrepreneurship is a hundred percent. So it wasn't like, I'm not a conditional entrepreneur. I'm not like, Hey, you know what? If the conditions are right, I might consider being an entrepreneur. And I was, you know, it's come hell or high water, excuse my language. I'm going to be an entrepreneur no matter what. And so if cold calling was what I had to do, I would cold call. If uh, knocking door to door is what I had to do, I would do that. And so as I learned different marketing strategies, my income increased. So what was interesting is that as my skills in marketing uh, got better, so did my income. It wasn't as I built a product better or not. It was that my income was directly correlated to my skills in marketing. So for example, and I have a video, we have a video on the foundation.com site that if you Google like the foundation.com slash behind the scenes of a $500,000 per year business, you can see like a 40 minute video where I walk through all the back end of this stuff and talk about these marketing skills. But like, for example, like the marketing skill of cold calling, I could make, I don't know, three grand a month. With the marketing skill of Google pay-per-click AdWords, I could make about seven or eight grand a month. With the marketing skill of webinars, I could go up to like 40 grand a month. So as I learned the skills of like marketing webinars, then I was, then I was crushing it. And then as I read the book, The Ultimate Sales Machine, and I read the chapter on education-based marketing – that blew my mind. I realized that instead of trying to sell my product, I would email people. And so since my product was about a recruiting or recruiting website and I had a competitor that he would be like, Hey guys here, you want a recruiting website, which is like totally features. I would just slaughter him by saying like, Hey guys, here's a, here's a, a how to recruit uh, 10 agents this year, which is the end result they want. So whatever product I have, 
they're, they're buying it for an end result. I just go into the end result and I, and I sell that in the emails. So there are a number of other strategies that you can do. But if you picture, for example, if you want to if you want to like just completely crush your market, whatever category you're in, you don't need to work harder. You just need to work smarter. And if you think strategically instead of tactically, it can change everything. So if you're in a room full of a hundred people and they're all, and they're all in your potential market and you have one sentence you can say to them. And after the people in that room hear that sentence, they can either stay to listen to your presentation or get up and leave. If I were to say, for example, let's talk about uh, paperlesspipeline.com, which is a phenomenal business. It's approaching $80,000 a month in revenue. Uh, we operated at a 25% profit margin. And then I have a team that runs it. Now, if I wanted to mint that for more money, I would. But we're providing uh, salaries and stuff for like five, six, seven people that like get to travel around and live anywhere in the world while they operate a business. And I just love to take care of people. And I don't need I don't need to make a seven figure net income per year. Like I'm I'm happy with you know any anywhere in the six figures is completely completely fine with me. So any excess, if I can, I just to try and build into a team to grow it bigger and make the pie bigger. So paperless pipelines, paperlesspipeline.com. I built it just like the recruiting website, which is recruitingninja.com. Paperless pipeline. I went to a real estate company and, 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 and to make the long story short, since we have the hour, he basically asked the question to this real estate broker, Hey, what kind of software have you been looking for for years, but you've been unable to find? And the guy's like, Oh, I've been looking for real estate transaction management software for years. I've been unable to find it. And he said, it's been a terrible pain because they've even bought other products, tried to implement them, and they failed completely. So um, I was like, well, if you could wave a magic wand, do you know what that product would look like? He's like, dude, I know exactly what it would do and exactly what it would look like. And it's far simpler and easier to do than any of these products that are currently out there. And so then I said, well, show me what it would do. And he told me what it would do. And I went and found a developer to build it. Now Paperless Pipeline exists today. I built the first version in eight weeks for eight grand. And in eight weeks for eight grand, and now five years later, it's at $80,000 a month, and it keeps on growing. And software is the most lucrative business I've ever seen because it's much like a tree. It takes a while to get going, but over time, the tree grows and provides more and more shade. And before you know it, you're just making money hand over fist every single month. And you're like, holy crap, I never knew how powerful reoccurring revenue was. But it's not about just the software. It's about the marketing skills that you're asking about, Yaro. And it's it's about the skills of, of running webinars. And if you go back to that room of 100 people that you're looking at, and you think about the one sentence you could say, there are like 10 different competitors in the transaction management space. There were eight at the time when I built it. And I think there's like maybe 15 competitors in this paperless pipeline space. So, you know, the whole thing about you need a new, unique idea is complete BS. It's not true at all. And, and once you understand how to, how to do that, you can actually build products in, com- in competitive categories and do very, very well. So if we've got 10 different competitors in transaction management, Yaro, and they're all in a room, and they say, all right, guys, I'm going to show you guys how to uh, I'm going to sh- show you guys my transaction management product, or I'm going to show you guys the simplest way to get your transactions done, or I'm going to show you guys how to uh, how to uh, close close uh, close more transactions, which would be even better. I'll get up in front of the room and I'm say, I'm going to show you guys how to use the technology of the 21st century to recruit and retain top talent. Okay, now just to slow you down, you've you still got a good 10 minutes with me here, Dane, so don't feel too, too okay. much pressure okay. to squeeze it in. You're probably looking at our, our Skype window, but my recorder, we've still got 10, 15 minutes. So, um, okay, I'm, I'm getting a lot of marketing knowledge being thrown at us now, and I feel like you must have learned all this over that four-year period from that very first piece of software with your uncle to coming up with the next one and the next one, and then just trying all these different marketing techniques from webinars to, I'm guessing, even sold in person in, in rooms of people, door-to-door, phone calls, and then eventually you, you realize the power of education-based marketing, so you focused solely on giving people free information that answers the questions to the main desire they have and then recommends your software as part of the solution as the next step once they've been educated and built up that trust with your company. So. Did you just sort of do one at a time? Was that it, like one piece of software, then you got better, so you did the next one, and you did better marketing, and now, obviously, today, you find yourself with five different software programs related to the real estate industry, all with customers, employees, and that's all running while you're off teaching and and building the foundation. Is that, in summary, kind of where you're at now? I think that's a pretty decent summary. Yeah, there's there's a few things I'd like to speak into about what you just said, if that's all right. Sure, go ahead. Uh, so the the concept of education based marketing, when when you think of uh, cust- 
sometimes when I think of customer acquisition, I can feel like, ah, oh, it's just, how do I get customers? It's kind of a drag. And, and education-based marketing is a really great way to refresh yourself and be like, oh, wow, hold on. I'm just going to add tons of value. I'm going to educate these people and they're going to trust me implicitly and then they'll want to do business with me. So my basic marketing strategy was I would take the best real estate companies that I knew of through sending my cold emails and through just referrals from other brokers, like, hey, who do you know that are really top top brokers? And I would interview them and I would record the MP3 and then I would send out an interview and I would be like, hey guys, here's, um, I've, I've heard a lot, a lot of frustration because so, so basically the foundation framework teaches you how to find pain. And when you learn how to become a, a uh, 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 an excavator for pain, then you really can run the world. I think maybe <laughs> you might say. So what happens is I'm talking to real estate companies and I say, so you guys, you know, you're recruiting real estate agents. What are some painful issues about that? They're like, well, I got to call them. I got to email them. I got all this time. Oh man, I just wish, well, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you do? Oh, I just wish I had a recruiter that would do all this work for me. Oh, so you want to hire a recruiter? And they're like, yeah, well, do you know how to do that? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, cool. Let me go try and figure that out for you. So I'd find a real estate office that has a recruiter uh, just through my network and talking to people and emailing and just being involved in the industry. Um, and then I would interview the, the broker on how he hired a recruiter, put it into like a 50-minute MP3. Then I would send it out as an email to all 3,000 REMAX brokers. It'd be like, hey, here's the subject line. Here's how to hire a recruiter when you don't know where to start, Right. And then I would go into the email and be like, hey, if you guys have ever wanted, to how, wanted on how to hire a recruiter, here's a REMAX broker in Florida who talked about how he hired one of his recruiters. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. This is just a free gift to you today. I hope you're doing well. Dane, P.S., um, if you'd like to learn how to recruit agents using the internet, check out my products here, kind of a thing. And that is what built the trust over, like, you know, every two weeks I would send one of those out via email. And so, you know, after after two or three years, I would go to these conventions, and I was one of the most well known guys at that at the convention. They'd be like, "Oh, I get your emails. They they're really personal. They uh, are you <laughs> writing those just to me?" <laughs> and so that gets to the skill of copywriting. And I actually really want to touch on this because what happened for me when my income transformed, my my income tripled when I learned how to do copywriting. And the way I learned how to do copywriting is I would copy copy by hand. So I would take the greatest sales letters ever written, and I would just write them out by hand. And when you write out the greatest sales letters ever written by hand, you start noticing how to ask for money, how to position things, how to price anchor, how to how to reverse the risk, how to just just basically you, you understand how to seduce people and um, and like do it. But like seduction could seem like oh a manipulative thing. No, like I use this I use this, these powers for so much good in the world. So I have so we have so much trust with our with our uh, with our customers. We have twelve hundred students through the foundation. Just just changing so many lives over there. And the real estate brokers that I talk to now, like you want to talk about making a, a difference in the world, you know, information products are a wonderful, good way to make fast income. I have not found many other things that feel as meaningful as building a very useful software product that changes someone's lives. And I'm not really passionate about software and I'm not even really passionate about real estate, but you know what I am passionate about is solving painful problems. And when I talk to a real estate broker, and I say, have you been looking for any software for three years and you've been unable to find anything? And he says, yes. And I say, well, what kind of pains are you experiencing because you don't currently have the software? He will say things like, oh, I've got this entire uh, entire warehouse full of paper that we have to drive paper to every day, which is, 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 is like a, a, a $1,000 or $2,000 a month just to rent that space. And then my office manager sprained her ankle because she was trying to walk to her desk and tripped over all the paper that we have everywhere. And so she's now like, she's now injured. And when I get connected to that pain that that broker where he's got this, this office that this warehouse he's paying for and his transaction management coordinators now injured because of the problem, like I don't care about transaction management software. Who cares about transaction management software? But you know what? I am out to make the world a better place. I am out to make the world a more empowered place. And I want to change the world too. I don't. I want to leave an amazing legacy. So I want to build really useful things and make make a good amount of money for myself and have people happy and happy when they hear about it. If anyone, if any of my customers that use Paperless Pipeline were listening to this product right now, they would be like, hell yeah, Dane, you go. You changed my life. Thank you. <laughs> and like that's, that's an amazing position to be in. Yeah, I can see you know, if you take away the, I just need to make money and you take away the, I'm creating software to make money, but you go back and look at the end user and your methodology. I actually teach something called true empathy to my bloggers mm. in my program. 
And it's the exact same thing. It's about knowing the motivation from an individual level so that you understand why, you know, if they want to lose weight, everyone has a unique reason why they want to lose weight, whether it's to fit into the black dress to impress the girlfriends or to not potentially risk yourself getting a heart attack and no longer being around for your kids. Two very different reasons. But if you know and speak to people who talked about their unique situation, you have that true empathy, which, which makes you a better marketer as well, because you can use the language to speak to them about those problems. So I think one of the biggest challenges is getting enough knowledge about your audience to have that level of empathy and understanding, not just for product creation, but just for how to communicate with them for education and so on. But in the last 10 minutes, Dane, I'd love to talk about how you transition. So you set up these software businesses in the real estate industry. You're making a good money. You're satisfied. But obviously, there was something else you wanted to do. You didn't think, well, I'm just going to keep making new software programs. You decided to start the foundation. So why did that happen? Did, did you just feel like it was time to walk a different path? You were making enough money. You were happy with that. Now you want to help others. Is that how it happened? You could say it that way. I was extremely tired and extremely frustrated by people living limited lives and living in living in the limited constraints of their mind. And if you if, if you go to paperlesspipeline.com, you'll see forty one thousand at the time of this interview, forty one thousand agents and admins are using paperless pipeline. So every single day there are tens of thousands of people's lives that are improved that don't have to drive to the office to get a paperwork or if there's like they're snowed into a winter storm, they don't have to shovel out their driveway. To go, to go, like there, there's just so much good happening every day because of what we did with Paperless Pipeline. And, and if you go back to the empathy thing that you talk about, Yaro, the thing that I find that um, interferes with people empathetically listening is that they are listening to this problem and they don't, if they don't feel like they're an expert to solve it, they won't ask about it. So, like, if I'm an expert at fitness, then I'll go ahead and ask someone about their nutrition. But I don't care. Because at the foundation, we don't believe in being an expert. We believe in being an expert at finding and defining pain clearly and then putting an expert in place to solve that problem. And when you realize that you don't have to be the expert, but you can just find and define pain clearly and put experts in place to solve it and own that business, that's where the tremendous freedom in business happens. And I was just tired of seeing people live really limited to their minds because they'd be like, oh, Dane, you have all these businesses. You did all this stuff. Like, you, we can't do what you did. So, like, I, I, there's this part of me that's like, you know what? I want to prove the impossible. I want to prove that I could take an average person and teach them how to start a software company from scratch with no idea, limited cash, and no experience. And we did it. It was a lot of work and um, very humbling in the process. Mm. Can you tell me just a little bit of... I guess day zero with the foundation. What you know? What did you set up? Were you sort of thinking? I'm assuming you're going to replicate some of the model you already know. So create some free information for entrepreneurs, and then offer some kind of product related to that. Did you want to be the teacher yourself, or did you want to hire other teachers? Like, how did that come together? And tangibly, like, I'd love to because a lot of my students are in the information product world. We love hearing about simple things like. You know, what software platform did you decide to use to deliver your content? Uh, how did you get the word out about the foundation in the first place to get those you know, initial customers? So if you could just kind of answer those in brief, and then we'll, we'll wrap it all up. Yeah, man. Well, so since uh, I do happen to know software at this point, and I find that every single content delivery platform out there is uh, not useful to me, and I don't want to mention names, but yeah, there's like five or ten different e-learning platforms you could use, and uh, we didn't like any of them. Uh, so we built our own custom one and it's gorgeous and it seamlessly integrates. And when you purchase through our program, the experience is freaking amazing because we control the entire process and we don't have you pass before three or four different systems. And we're in the process of integrating our front end website into our back end app. So like they're going to both live together because we want to build a platform that makes entrepreneurship possible for the world. So we went custom on it and it's been expensive, but it's, it's, it's what you do when you're like, you just want to go after big things, you know? So we have a custom platform that delivers the content, but back to day zero of the foundation, it was actually called the Software Roundtable, and it made $150,000 with its first class. I never bought a domain, and I never even bought the Software Roundtable. I ran the entire thing from Google Docs through the content and hip chat for a live chat room, and every month I would release the next action steps, and the action steps would be a link to a Google Doc that was hidden. And... And I launched it all from a from a, I don't like to build things that people don't want. I don't I I I I do anything in my power to avoid building something that someone doesn't want. So at a, on a Mixergy interview, 
uh, where I talked about how I, the very specific details of building paperless pipeline to how I, how I hired a developer, how I negotiated him down to half his rate. And he was happy about it because we used future revenue to pay him, pay him back. And like all these cool things that you can use to start companies from scratch. And uh, keep in mind, I still don't know, uh, much about software other than the business of software. And so I talk about all that in that interview and it was pretty inspiring for people. And at the end of the interview, I just said, uh, Hey, Andrew, I'd like to teach people this. If they were interested, um, you just go to danemaxwell.com. It'll forward you to an application. You can fill that out. And if I like you, I'll accept you into the program. And if I don't, I'm sorry. And, and there will be a price to join the program. And so I, I expected to teach 10 people this process at 500 bucks a month. I was like, you know what? Cool. I'll make five grand a month. I don't really, I'm not going to do this for money. I just want to, I, I want to do this because it's just, I want to prove the impossible, dude. Mm. And, and so we, uh, uh, I ended up having 288 people apply and 88 people joined. And I ended up making like 40 grand a month teaching these people how to start software businesses. And I was like, whoa, there is something here. This is eight times my expectations. Let me stick and mm. let me, let me, let me be smart enough to realize I'm getting lucky here. Yeah, I think you hit on a, a hot demand area. Everyone loves software at the moment, especially all those people, like you said, who don't see themselves as experts and want to still meet the needs of people, but have someone else create the actual product, um, but, you know, run the business themselves. And, and uh, software is just really popular right now. So well done. Thank you. I mean, it, software can, it can, you can also get your, it, it'll also eat your lunch, you know, it, where, where people, where people get really screwed on software is in the development phase, which is, we have six phases in the foundation we guide people through. And phase four is building the product development. And, and if you don't do that process correctly, you can end up uh, spending about twice the amount of money and three times the amount of time. And, and, you know, you want to try and get your product developed between eight to 12 weeks. And there are, you know, you could look at how to build minimum viable products, how to build lean products. You, you don't, I'm not necessarily selling, trying to sell the foundation here. What I am just letting you know is that uh, there are other programs out there. You can look into this stuff and be very weary of, you know, if you're getting into software for the first time, it just pays to have a mentor. Um, it takes a while to ramp up, but we just had, you know, Yara, we just had our first million dollar foundation business. Um, we just announced it today, actually. It's, it's live on the site on the podcast page for student Fantastic. Build a million dollar business. And I also want to just just let just just like um, just let people know that the purpose of the foundation, while we teach software and it can be really lucrative, is to just make entrepreneurship possible for people. So if you're listening to this and you have a you have a, a child or a friend or a family member or someone you know that like they're curious about entrepreneurship but they just don't think it's possible, send them on over to the foundation. We've got plenty of free content that can get them started on their journey, and also a paid program if they ever decide to to go that route. But this it's just uh, I, I want people to understand how abundant the world is, how easy business is, and how simple it is to make money. And when you when you follow the when you just follow like follow the flow of things, like if, if you're in resistance in any area of your life, and if you're in resistance in, in business or in your career, it just sucks. And like you know, Yaro, you found your flow with Entrepreneur's Journey. And what what was it like for you, Yaro, when you started to kind of find like that flow of like, oh, this is where things are clicking? When did that happen for you? Oh, you're flipping the microphone over here. Um, uh, well, you know, it was, you know, long story short, I, I, I started looking for lifestyle business from day one as well. So I was doing different things from, you know, selling physical cards to having a proofreading business f for seven years before I got into blogging. So, uh, for me, it was realizing that there were three goals I had with my business. It was the passive income. It was enjoying an aspect of running the business and it was making enough money from whatever I was doing to feel satisfied with it. So it took me a while to rejig all three of those things. And it wasn't really until I got into the more, I guess, writing aspect because I discovered the love of writing. And then, you know, blogging is one of the best ways I think you can turn writing into a business, especially a lifestyle business. You, know, you don't have to try and make a best selling book if you go the blogging path. So for me, blogging was when I realized, combined with internet marketing, like for me, you mentioned John Reese earlier, I had my eyes open to the email marketers around, probably around the time you were at SitePoint and Flippa, um, mm. I was studying Jeff Walker, Frank Kern, John Reese, Mike Filsame, um, Eben Pagan, uh, the Stompernet guys, Andy Jenkins oh, and yeah. Brad Fallon, and I was still 
well, I'm truly loving blogging, but internet marketers are just such better direct response marketers. They know copywriting. They know the power of email. So until I kind of combine those two worlds to understand how best to do an education-based marketing business, because blogging often lacks the direct response aspect of it. It's just a bit, uh, doesn't have the subscription mechanism as good as, as email does. So once I combined those two, yeah, that's when I found it. Uh, the, that, that sort of feeling of I wrote a blog post and sent some emails and money came back, plus I'm giving away so much amazing free information so I know I can help everyone regardless of whether they give me money, but those who want more help can pay money, and that's how I have a business. So for me, that was it, although I have to say I did do a startup, uh, my, my partner Walter, and we got, I would say, the the part that ultimately led to Closing the business was exactly what you said before. Uh, t- technology development, we just went about that really badly. Um, you know, a lot of hindsight lessons from that, but sunk a lot of time into it, which definitely we would not do it the same way. You know, I, I come from a world of information products and not software, so that was a completely different uh, kettle of fish when it comes to product development. Boy, did we learn the hard way how many months you can throw into just creating basic features that end up not being nearly enough for what the market wants either. So, you know, good lesson there. I think, you know, that, that if anything, that's where the foundation really, I think you guys have uh, got a good um, methodology is that aspect of finding the pain, getting the customer, then building the software and then, you know, using your methodology for actually getting the software developed too, because that is some, that is, there's some pit holes there you have to dodge. <laughs> and we fell into a few of them. Yeah, and the cool part is when you're connected to the customer, you can really ask them, like, what's the minimum feature set that you would pay for? And like, all I really need is this. You can legitimately ask that stuff, and you're not, that way you're not guessing. Yeah. But what I, what I wanted to get at with you was, like, have you found your stride to where business has become easier and simpler for you? Yeah, well, I did uh, early, well, like you, I had that moment with blogging and you know, telling product where I was like, going to sleep and wake, waking up with sales and I'm going, this is incredible. Uh, that being said, I jumped into startups, you know, actually at the peak, I did really well with blogging and I decided, you know what, I want to try something else. And that's when I learned about software and realized how much I didn't like that sort of startup model, not necessarily the software aspect of it, but going into a tech startup and, you know, trying to do something that has a different way of a different strategy for building the business. And then I returned to blogging in 2012. And I think uh, more so now in hindsight with that, I kind of, I needed to see the other side of the fence before I could wholly say that, no, no, what I'm doing right now is exactly what I want to do and where I I fit best. Um, Because I think I was still lured by the whole, tech silicon valley selling for 100 million you know creating something dent in the universe significant huge volume and that's that's still something that excites me and is alluring but i also i i love how lifestyle businesses are for lack of a better way of putting it so much more relaxing <laughs> you know and they're, they're more um harmonic with with a healthy lifestyle than a, a tech startup like that is and I, that to me is more important so the short answer now is yes, after going through the different experiences to come back to the lifestyle model, to the information model, to making some deliberate choices. I was actually having a conversation with Ed Dale yesterday about this, and we were mm. talking about how people don't really understand if they're new entrepreneurs, the difference between uh, a tech startup in Silicon Valley versus a lifestyle entrepreneur business, you know, a Tim Ferriss sort of four hour work week business, which, you know, they can transition. You certainly could turn a lifestyle business, especially like what you're talking about into a big tech startup, but that's a deliberate strategic choice that I don't think people realize how different it is to running one of those businesses versus a lifestyle business. So um, for me, spreading the lifestyle gospel now and, and practicing it myself is way more important. Um, although I love to be involved with the tech startup where I just don't want to be the founder, the CEO, the guy putting in the 12 hour days. I like the ideas behind them, but I'd rather be an advisor or an investor and focus my time on being a, like, kind of like you, a teacher and an, an educator and spreading the gospel of entrepreneurship and information publishing uh, more than anything else. But, you know, you have to sample and educate. It's like you've just told this whole story in this interview, all the different experiences you had. So uh, until you find your your spot as an entrepreneur. And so you, you did say that you then found your stride. Uh, yes, yes. After kind of going through all those ups and downs. Yeah, well, I, I guess 
what you do is you go, where do I really deliver value? That's the question. Like, what am I really good at? And then what's the best model to you know, put around that? Like, you know, as much as I love what you're doing with software, I actually like being the person who creates the product. So for me, creating information products, what I want to do, because I love the teaching aspect of it as well. So that's important. There's a, a really well, really well written book called the, uh, the great work of your life. And at the end of the book, he says, first we work because we have to, then we work because we need to or something. And then, then we work because we want to, and then the work does us, <laughs> uh, difficult at the beginning, inevitable at the end. And I'm at the phase that, that last sentence where the work is doing me and I feel really nourished like, you know, 12 hour days, it's, it's, it's more like six to seven probably at my computer, but like energetically, it feels like 12 and, and the work is doing me now. So like, I'm just, I just, I'm so on purpose and, and fulfilled with what I'm doing that it's amazing. And it, it's, it's by choice. That's, uh, that, 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 that feels so good. And, um, I love that you are congruent in, in where you want to be with the, the lifestyle business and you're, and you're fulfilled and, and your mission as well. And I, and I also want to say that the, the framework at the foundation, the five or six phases, they apply to start to starting any kind of business from scratch. If you have, if you have nothing to start from, no idea, limited cash, limited experience, you can use the framework to start anything. We had a guy launch, um, like a, a waterproof headphones for kiteboarders because he mm. found a, he found a pain with kiteboarders wanting to listen to music while they, while they were kiteboarding and he found it by solving his own pain mm. and then validating it and pre-selling it before he went and built it. And then he built it after he had pre-sales and now he's in the scaling phase. So we're, the, I, I think it's pretty cool. The foundation software focused, but I, I love to see like our entrepreneurs are up to really remarkable things at year two, three and four. They're usually doing mm -hmm. some pretty cool stuff. Okay, Dave, we better wrap it up, man. We've gone over an hour. So, uh, obviously, it's thefoundation.com for uh, everything about that. Any other websites you'd like to share with people? Uh, Entrepreneur's Journey is a pretty good one. I've, <laughs> I've already, I've already sent that out plenty of times. So, they will know. Okay, well, Dane, thank you for sharing. the. the I like the early day stuff. That was really interesting, hearing your uh, buying and selling website stories there and, and how that sort of turned, well, started you off this path and where you've where you've led to as a result of that. And uh, keep up the great work with the foundation. I can tell you're very, very, very passionate about it. So I have no doubt you'll continue having the work do you, as the phrase <laughs> says. That sounds a bit dodgy, but anyway, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys. And everyone listening in, if you want to grab more interviews like this, you can go to entrepreneurs-journey.com or just Google my name, Yaro, Y-A-R-O, and you'll find the download for this episode, the transcript, all the show notes, and also all my other podcasts. Thank you, Dane Maxwell. Thank you, listeners. And I'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Thanks again. Bye-bye.